Welcome back to the square. No, no cold open for us here this week, boys. We don't have Ryan. You know, he's our our cold open maestro, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't I wouldn't tread on his territory. You know, it's just not the same. I, I don't have I don't have the I don't have the beautiful uh, Ryan mind snake right, just, mind. Just a just a big cold open Gadsden flag. Don't yes, you. yes. Don't 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 tread on me. Or if you're at Bread Hive, uh, throw bread at me. <laughs> right. Is is the little Gadsden flag they have there over at our friends at Bread Hive? But no, we're back after the break, Fourth of July. Woo! Get the patriotic music queued up. Uh, you know that's came and passed. I know everybody's not feeling as patriotic this year, or they weren't. Yeah. Um, but we're still here. You know, we're still we're still fighting the good fight, Jim. Yeah, I'm I'm back. Uh, I've been I, I was I missed the week before we took off too, so it feels like I've been on sabbatical. It's been a long time since I've been in front of the mic. Jim was canceled for a while. We've yeah. uncanceled him. Mm-hmm. We've, we've brought him back. We've restored his reputation. Um, so he's good now. He's welcome in, yeah. in polite discourse now. Yeah, just What'd you do? Don't watch, you my, do? don't watch my new Netflix special. Oh. <laughs> and uh, no snake, but you know we have a, a more than suitable replacement with us this week, Brian Nowak. And I got another case of Fago down there. Yeah. That's, I put some in the fridge already. Yes, we've got the Fago queued up here, and um, we also recorded an interview with our friends, Hapless Heroes, Dave and Fran. Uh, check that out and listen to it. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking to those guys. So, Brian, you ever you ever play D anD D? No, I, you know, coming in and listening to the 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 tale under that is kind of fascinating. You know, you have to you have to earn the trust of the folks you're playing with to do that long term and really put up with some unique characters. I mean, it's not every day, not every type of person gets into that. You yeah. Know, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, we had a fascinating conversation with them. So I don't know if we're going to edit it into this episode or release. We, we usually do those as separate episodes now. So yeah, if uh, you get a chance, listen to that. Yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll like it more than you think. Even yeah. if you're just like a little fucking politics freak, I think you will like our conversation with the Hapless Heroes. I, like, like I said, no background in D&D, and I was getting interested in that by the end. That, that could have gone on another half an hour. Yeah. I would have been fine. So, uh, I, what did you guys do for the 4th of July? I'll start with what I... So, the 4th of July, I uh, live prayed in Lancaster for the first time in years. And my my friend, uh, she's Jessica Overholt, she's been on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, her father lives right on the parade route in the village of Lancaster. So, I went there for the first time in a very long time uh, to, to meet to see some of her family that I hadn't seen in a long time or meet some people that I, who are extended family I had never met. Her Republican co-committee person came and joined us and watched the parade there. Uh, Erie County Board of Elections Commissioner Ralph Moore at the same holiday party I was at. Uh, it was uh, interesting. So, like, when the politicians, because, like, this first they start off with, like, I don't know, like, a couple of fire trucks and, like, a, a police car. And then the politicians come through. It was, so, it was interesting. Frank Todaro and Mark Polonkars were there, basically in like the kind of like the same grouping, and none of, they didn't have like shirts or signs or anything like that. They were just there in the parade, uh, handing out stuff. Uh, Mayor of uh, the Village of Lancaster, Lynn Ruda, was with with uh, them, well, more with like Mark and Missy Hartman. Uh, Hartman was in the parade. Uh, Mickey Kearns not in the parade, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. And then uh, you know Lancaster is in New York twenty three, so uh, Carl. They had his Sith Lord corpse in the back of like a uh, convertible Cadillac riding through. Uh, but 
No Nick Langworthy in Lancaster. Oh. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised that Langworthy, uh, I, I, not in the Village of Lancaster. I thought for sure that, like, it's a pretty big parade. And, and you know, some parades, like a lot of people, towns had, there's on, like, the 3rd. Uh, Lancaster actually had it on Monday the 4th. So, you know, it shouldn't have been too many scheduling conflicts. I mean, I, I get the, the, the New York 23rd is enormous. Um, so I think he might have been down in Chautauqua County, which is, like, his old home, like, stomping grounds. So... Uh, but yeah, I was surprised that not to see Langworthy in, in Lancaster. No Langworthy, huh? That, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Wonder what what he had going on. So maybe, it, he was, maybe he was setting off fireworks. Could have been. Could you have, know, yeah, he was on the he was on the west side shooting off fireworks. Yeah, that's right. Do you guys do any parades? I did a parade. Chitwaga had theirs on Monday. Yeah. So you know they they had the beginning section with the elected officials i did that part mm-hmm. then i get to watch all the fire engines coming by right. and the other various groups my daytime employer was also in the parade so it was like i had the little flintstones feeling where you're mm-hmm. doing the water lodge mm-hmm. and and pebbles birthday party i think that's it right is that the <laughs> that the the metaphor the comparison so i had that kind of feeling going on but yeah after that i just sat in the backyard in the afternoon and ate some food and Fubbed on my phone for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to uh, Zor Valley that day, um, actual 4th of July day. And then the 3rd of July, we were hanging out um, at a uh, fr- friend of the pod, Tara Sullivan. Mm. We were hanging out with her. She had a big party for the close group of people. So kept it pretty low key. I didn't even I didn't even go out and watch fireworks, truth be told. I just didn't feel like, just didn't didn't feel the, the vibe. And I love fireworks. I'm a... I'm a, you know, a child. Like I am fascinated by things just blowing up in the air. I could watch it for hours, but, mm. but this year, guys, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the vibe. So I, I had an urge for about thirty seconds to go buy some fireworks from one of the tents, and then I just started thinking about all the different hats I wear in my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm an elected official in my town. Mm-hmm. Probably a bad idea. I have a two year old, and the wife wants the kid to sleep. So, no. I'm a firefighter. I probably shouldn't be setting that example. <laughs> no, no fireworks for me. It was very easy to not do it. You know, that's probably uh, you know. And a, then yeah, I get thing, it. The, the, the Supreme Court stuff too, but right. it's just <laughs> I canceled it out multiple times over before getting right. into the civic brain. You know, uh, in early June, uh, Snake and I were down um, at, at the cabin, and uh, on the uh, Seneca Reservation in Cuba, um, they had fireworks tax free for sale, and they had. Some very interesting named ones. Uh, there was one, uh, there was a big, uh, like a box of Roman candles uh, called MILF for when you just want to bang. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if that's if that's the kind of fireworks you're into, um, you can always get them in Cuba. God bless Cuba, New York. Well, it turns out, guys, not uh, just 4th of July happened while we were out fucking about. There was uh, perhaps a couple elections that occurred. All right. Couple, couple elections of consequence. I suppose we can talk about uh, first the big one, the Democratic primary for governor and lieutenant governor. And surprise, surprise, Kathy Hochul is your Democratic nominee mm-hmm. for governor, besting out uh, Tom Suozzi and Jumani Williams. Right. And then uh, was it Anna Marie Aquila? Uh, lieutenant Gov- was the lieutenant governor who, uh, sorry, candidate who lost to... Um, Delgado. Uh, Delgado, excuse me. I got it mixed up in my brain here. But no, Delgado uh, wins lieutenant governor. Kathy Hochul wins uh, governor, uh, the Democratic nominee for for both of those. Uh, chalk, I would say, one seeds versus 16 seeds. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, 
you know, four years ago when it was a lieutenant governor's race, uh, Jumani was a lot closer uh, to Hochul at that point. Um, you know, when so when this kicked off, um, I thought I think there were some people who thought, well, maybe he can he can give a good run at her, and you know, especially with Swazi jumping in and taking the conservative Democrat lane away from her, so she's going to have to go strictly like Joe Biden esque, um, and Jumani having the left flank, uh, but you know. It's been publicized that he's he had some some family concerns that happened, and um, I don't I don't think he was able to to be as engaged in a campaign as he may have liked to have been. And, and to, also to Hochul's credit, like she raised a ton of money and got out there right away. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how much, but she outraised him considerably. I heard something like twenty million. Yeah, and uh, Williams got somewhere around six hundred thousand. If yeah. I remember right. Right. Yeah. And, he had he had he had a good a very good like mm-hmm. state senate fundraising yeah. campaign and she raised like it was, i think it was a little north of 21 million but i mean that's the money side of the race and you know with it being the governor's race you know she took that this round much more seriously because he almost snuck up on her four years ago yeah um you know she had the advantage of the democratic organization that was really completely behind her she had a chance to to build her name in new york city mm-hmm. the Williams couldn't get every vote that wasn't Hochul because, I mean, all these things made it a lot harder for him. But he did come in second place. He got over 20% of the vote. Right. And the other thing that that hurt him is this split primary we're having this year where the state and federal primaries are happening uh, in August. You know, like, you've got some very competitive races downstate for some of those seats that would have brought more Democrats out. Um, You know, know, I'm thinking, like, you know... uh, you know, Yuli New, you know, now running for Congress, like, um, you know, you, that would have brought out a lot more Democrats in the city, um, would have given Jumani a much better chance to increase his his efforts because it's split. You know, it, it was for most of the state pretty ho-hum, like it was, you know, just the governor's race. You know, local, Erie County, we had the, the clerk's race. And, and of course, statewide, like, you know, the Republicans also had their governor's race. Right. They're, they're like 60-way race. Right. Well, we'll talk about that one in a second. But I just want to say, um, you know, you mentioned Kathy Hochul running a Biden-esque mm-hmm. campaign. I, th- I think that's pretty apt. It, it felt very much like Kathy Hochul's political. Uh, she, I, I guess, I don't know her operation or what have you. Her her whole um, mo at this point is really like. You know, what people refer to as like the Rose Garden strategy, I think, mm-hmm. uh, when Biden was running. Um, basically, everything's kind of fine. Normalcy. You know, you had the turbulent Andrew Cuomo years and you're kind of sick of that. You just want, uh, you know, stability of, of some sort. And here's your wacky wine mom, Kathy Hochul, you know, destroying memes on, on Twitter. Do you see this? The She like retweeted the Usher watch this meme and instantly nuked the, the funniness of that meme. Um, and you know, she's with her glass of wine or whatever, like, Oh, we're all going to be drinking again. Right. Um, the point being is that Kathy Hochul doesn't really draw much invective from people, even like the hardcore conservatives who probably like fucking hate her on a certain level. She still doesn't bring out that level of anger. Um, and certainly not within the party itself. It's more of a resigned. Okay. Kathy Hochul is right. the standard bearer. You know, she doesn't, she, there, there were not seemingly factions that were chomping at the bit to challenge her being the head of the, the New York Dems. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I think you know, she also benefited from, you know, becoming the incumbent relatively late in the process. 
didn't have as much time like people who got to grew to hate Cuomo because she's not as well known. And, you know, she's been governor not that long, less than a year right now. So, so she kind of came in and there wasn't enough time to like really galvanize a bunch of opposition to her. Um, you know, it, again, like we'll talk about the Republicans, but like, you know, they're just opposed to like anything with a D next to it. And so like, they're trying to tie her to Cuomo because like they acknowledge what you say, like that nobody really hates her. I mean, I'm sure there are some people, but like, you know, but most people don't really hate her at large. Rob Galbraith. Right. <laughs> Rob is probably like the few, the proud. Not that he's wrong, by the way. Just, right. you know, not not very few people so share speak, his sentiments about that. Speaking of, of, of uh, Kathy Hochul and memes, I would really like to see uh, her like a, a, a picture of like a stick figure like with her face on it, opening the door and, and Jeremy's on there at a computer and she asks, if, are you winning, son? <laughs> Oh man! Well, let's before we get to our, our local, uh, you know, Yogi Bear lookalike uh, Jeremy Zellner. Um, you know, the Republican uh, primary for the uh, for governor, uh, the Legend of Zeldin. Yeah, won it pretty easily. Won it pretty easily. Yeah. There was a point in the results coming in where Andrew Giuliani was in first place. Yeah, and just I can't say here what ran through my head when I saw that, but wow. Well, that, that that was my point. Like basically, later that night was like, you know, like Harry Wilson spent a lot of money to get dunked on by Andrew Giuliani. Mm-hmm. Andrew Giuliani spent like basically no money, and he was second at the end of. I it? think he was. I think he ended up finishing second. Good lord! In that in that race, you know, Harry Wilson like spent a lot, a lot of his own money to to just really get dunked on by Andrew Giuliani. It's unfortunate for him because he's kind of. A, Harry Wilson's kind of in a no man's land, you know. On one side, it's the Democratic Party, and he doesn't want to be involved. And the other side, you can't be somebody with his kind of reasonable, objective approach anymore. You have to buy into some of the mil- myth. Mm-hmm. I almost said milf. Buy, <laughs> buy into the milf. <laughs> buy into some of the myth that's been built up in the Republican Party and the and in that circle. And he wasn't willing to buy into that kind of stuff. Not not enough of it, at least. Right. So that was it for him. Yeah. Yep, yep, and uh, you know, Zeldin carries on, and I, I don't think anybody has any illusions, really, that Zeldin is going to be... Not not if you listen to, to Zeldin. He this week said that he said that he is going to win Erie County, and now he's going to win Erie County, he's going to win Hamburg. He's going to beat Kathy Hochul in Hamburg, he said. Oh, baby, baby. Well, remains to be seen. I would like to see the odds you can get on Caesars Sportsbook for uh, him beating her in Hamburg. I would love. I would love to see. I would love to see Zeldin try to to win Hamburg. But you know, winning Hamburg, it's not. It's not easy if uh, you're a, a conservative Democrat right. these days. It's not easy to win the Democratic primary if you are a um, anywhere here really. If you're a conservative Democrat, a hardcore conservative Democrat, some might even say a Republican, um, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, if right. you will. And um, well. That was the case for one, uh, Michael. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to because I have the registration percentages for Hamburg, just so Zeldin knows. 40% of them are Democrats, about 29% are Republicans. Good luck. Right. You you have fun. You have fun because there was one Michael P. Mickey Kearns right. who ran in Hamburg and in Erie County for the role of county clerk. 
at least the Democratic nomination right. for it, and got his ass handed to him. He did. Uh, he was, you know, that's. I started to get the feeling like a week out before the election that like he might be in trouble because um, he was he was campaigning hard. He was he was spending a bunch of money. He was doing like those those phone blasts we talked about. He was doing a lot of ads on social media. He generally doesn't raise money, so he doesn't have money to blow on something like this. Uh, so I was like, oh man, he he whoever's on his campaign, whoever he's working with, like the, the polling must be bad. Like he, he must be in trouble. And because like, I, I generally expected like, you know, he, Mickey's been around for a long time. I mean, yeah, he's a shithead, but like he tends to win elections. And so I was like, I, I like, I think most people kind of assumed that he would probably win the democratic primary and end up in being unopposed in November. Um, and it turns out he was right to be concerned. You know, I, and I will, I will, Gladly hold the L's. He, in this case, I'll happily hold the L when I said I thought uh, Hartman was going to be rinsed by the you know the Kearns campaign here. She was not. She did the rinsing. Mm-hmm. She did the rinse, wash, repeat on Mickey uh, to the tune of like, was it like two to one? Like yeah. 66, 33, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So my apologies, um, and, and we'll get to that too, but to Missy Hartman, she, she won. Uh, and this might be a, a little bit of hindsight, guys, but it'll be this. Okay, why did Mickey run in the Democratic primary? And and I don't mean this on a philosophical as in Mickey's not a true blue Democrat, which, you know, if you listen to this show, you certainly know that he is far from anything resembling what we believe a Democrat would be in 2022. But purely on a strategic standpoint, why would Mickey, who is now reviled, loathed by Democrats here in Western New York, why would he run in that primary to begin with? If I were him in his spot and I'm registered Democrat and I already have Republican conservative ticket, make your opponent start a bunch of money on fire. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's certainly that. And then I think the other thing is that, you know, if I'm making and I see the results of last year's mayor's race and the write-in and that the mayor was able to mobilize basically like the right wing of the Democratic Party to win the mayor's race. Like, yes, certainly he won independents and Republicans in the mayor's race, but the enrollment in the city of Buffalo is so overwhelmingly Democratic that he had to win a lot of Democrats to fight back India in that and, and, and write him in, not just like vote for him in November, but write him in. If I make it, I would look at that and go, man, I might have a sh- shot at winning the city of Buffalo in a Democratic primary. And if I can do that, then I probably win countywide. And so like probably look, I think looked at that and got, you know, man, I, I might be able to pull this off. And then like, if, if, Worst case scenario, she has to spend a ton of money and a, b- a bunch of capital to win a primary and just to have to redo it in November. Best case scenario, I get the summer off. It's true. It's true. Except I think we've hit the fail case. I, I think everything you guys said, I, I think, is spot on. And I completely agree were conceptually the reasons that he should have run the Democratic primary. However, the flip side, the absolute... Uh, you know, absolute basement, the floor here for Mickey is that he loses in spectacular fashion. And Missy Hartman goes from being, you know, relative unknown. Uh, you know, I, I understand that people in Western New York politics knew her for quite some time, but, you know, broadly speaking, she goes from relative unknown to an overwhelming favorite. And now, like, you're right, she did have to spend, expend a lot of capital to win this race. Uh, for the Democratic primary. 
But now, Jim, as you, you know, you, we were texting the night of the election, or no, we were we were at the nude party at Town Ballroom. We were talking about this night of the election. There's going to be a lot of capital that pours into this race. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know November. that. I, I don't know that I think she, she's the favorite for November now. I mean, I think Mickey's still the favorite. Uh, having the RC is still really big. Um, and you're like, you're going to have congressional races. And if Carl's on the ballot, that's going to bring a lot of people out. If if Carl's on the ballot, especially because like that means Nick's probably still on the ballot as well on the C line. So you're going to bring a lot of Republicans out in like the southern half of the county. Um, but and then and, and then you also have that the we're gonna, that blockbuster state Senate race we're going to have between Sean Ryan and Ed Rath bringing people out. Um, but she is going to raise a ton of fucking money off of this now because like, you know, like most people thought like she was probably going to lose the democratic primary, or maybe she had a puncher's chance to absolutely wax Mickey in the democratic primary. Now she's a legitimate candidate for the, the countywide office. She should be able to raise like, like I, if I was on the, I hope that she has like a like hundred dollar head fundraiser scheduled for like next week, like to capitalize off of all this positive yeah going back to you know looking by city council district and town for town breakdown hartman won pretty much everywhere but there's some notable exceptions every ward in the city of lackawanna mickey won all those he won the town of west seneca by by a sliver by a handful of votes maybe 50 60 votes Mm -hmm. um he got about 48 percent of the vote in chictawaga Got close, mm-hmm. and then you go to the city of Buffalo. He won in or he won in South. He won in Lovejoy. Right. He got forty five percent of the vote in Maston, and he got over forty seven percent in Fillmore. So he wasn't crazy to try. No, yeah, I mean, and and someone like you know, West Seneca, he represented in the state assembly. Mm-hmm. Lackawanna, he represented in the state assembly. Um, I he may have had like some of those parts of like Lovejoy that like dipped down. Uh, or, or maybe even uh, Fillmore in the state assembly. I, may, I don't think Fillmore, but um, but uh, you know Fillmore is it as we know uh, and we'll talk about is is interestingly drawn district. So it's maybe not necessarily what you would think of when you think of the when you hear Fillmore. Um, so th- that helps you know Mickey in, in some of those parts of that district. Um, so I mean, I mean I'm not surprised, but like yeah. So he, he wasn't crazy to try. I mean, but the, the thing is that well when he won, other than like South, he won those pretty closely. And, you know, in the councilmatic districts, when Hartman won, um, she won a couple pretty close, but she also a couple, won a couple, like like Niagara. She just absolutely... Yeah, three to one. Yeah, yeah. Just, just absolutely demolished. I mean, she him. won Marilla, you know, the People's right. Republic of Marilla. I don't know by how many points, but she did okay there. You right. Know? Right. Well, they they thought they were voting for Genesee County Executive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. Hartman and her campaign um, really... Proved proved my dumbass wrong, but but I have I have some thoughts because we have a photo the night of the election victory, Jim, yep. from the Hartman campaign, and um, you know some of us here have been have been banging the drum for one Randall Hoke, the Hokemaniac himself, brother. All right, I I may have cut a promo on this very show once extolling the virtues of of the hoaxer as we call him the man who i think is the straw that stirs the drink of the erie county democratic party truly believe it and 
I feel like my suspicions were, were confirmed because, you know, on, on one side of, of this photo of the victorious Hartman campaign is, you know, uh, Erie County Democratic Chair Jeremy Zellner looking like the embarrassed Shrek meme. Just, whoa, me? Um, Mitch Nowakowski looking straight at it's not his best angle he's not looking good in this picture um he's like just dead-eyed looking straight ahead he's he's a he's a more chill dude than that i don't know he's got to pose better in pictures but randy hoke next to the winning candidate and you know just kind of beaming like a just like a proud uncle okay just like yeah we did it and uh how much did he how much did hartman do it in in hamburg bry oh let me scroll it was like a resounding amount. It was a decent win. It was. I, I, I believe she took over sixty percent. It was like. I six, don't know if it was all that much, but let's see. But she, it, she, Hartman did did win the town of Hamburg, and it. Oh, sixty three thirty five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, Hoke Hoke delivered his town. Uh, you know, it's. I mean, he. We know he's he's good at mobilizing. He's good at organizing. Um, he delivers the votes. Uh, you know, I mean, it's my understanding that the Hartman campaign was actually mostly run by like the Amherst crew. Oh yeah, that's right, Joe McMahon, right? Right, yeah. Um, so you know, and you know, again, don't sleep on him. Like, guy doesn't he just doesn't lose elections? Uh, just, there was, I mean, we're forty five hundred voters in in the Hamburg Democratic primary, but Hoke just got through a supervisor's race there, so yeah, he's got a pretty good sense of IDs because he had a primary there too. He right. just he didn't even have to deal with. Um, with Stephen Mahailu, he had right. to deal with uh, there was a uh, Mr. Reynolds in the Democratic right. primary. Yeah. Well, he also helped one. Uh, was it the ledge seat? Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and the, and they and they swept the the town board that year as well. Or last the year, the ledge seat was like thirty votes, I think, but yeah. they won it. Right. I mean, that was a hard win for a. Democrat. He needed right. every one of them. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, you know, and it, it looks at he's he's proven that he can turn out. They have a good uh, organization in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's that's why like when Zeldin says he's going to win Hamburg, I, I think like obviously it's a joke because like even in like the worst days, the people are going people of Hamburg are going to vote for their hometown incumbent governor over Lee Zeldin. But like with the organization that that Hamburg has now with with Randy Hoke, like. He's gonna get thumped. I mean, it's like it's it's the craziest thing that any, for anybody to say. It's, it's like you know, it's, it's it's crazier than Harry Wilson promising that he's not going to pay state representatives until a budget's passed. Not only is the hoaxer gonna beat Lee Zeldin, not only did the hoaxer take down Mickey Kearns in the Democratic primary, the hoaxer is gonna get the damn hamburger water tower. It's finally happening, guys. Yeah. It's happening. The Hamburg Water Tower. There are plans to get it painted as a hamburger. Yeah, That's, I'm tired of seeing the illustrations of what it could look like. This has to get done. Yeah, do it, Randy. And I know you're listening. Yeah, you're doing the damn thing. Uh-huh. We, you have all. It's you know you have all our our faith. We're we're holding up our hands, giving you our energy. You're gonna do it. We're gonna get the Hamburg hamburger water tower. Yeah, that's, I mean, that I now with my my, my new job, I, I'm driving down ninety a fair amount, and I get to look at that water tower. And every time I go, man, that would be a great hamburger. 
Uh, now I do, like, I check out the the Buffalo subreddit, and there are some people who are rationally angry about the like that that they would do this. Why? Why are they angry? Well, one person it's because the Hamburg, as far as they are concerned, was created in in Hamburg, Germany. I was like. First of all, nobody. Oh. Knows, what that that doesn't matter. Like, first of all, nobody knows where the hamburger was really created. But even even if it was, that doesn't matter. That's what its name is. It's not like like we've got like millions of fucking buffaloes all over the city of Buffalo. Like we invented those fuckers here. <laughs> like that's not like that's not what a crazy. It's a water tower in Hamburg shaped like a hamburger. <laughs> right. Maybe you shouldn't be too too focused on the particulars here. Right. There's enough of a perfect opportunity presenting itself. Right. Let's paint the water. Do we need to go fund me for the money? Somebody need to get up there and paint it. It what? should be union labor painting that thing. Right. But I'll go up there and paint the thing. Uh, well, that that was the other the other person I, I saw was. Trisk, I'm kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to go up there and paint it. The, the other person I was like, maybe a little bit. This is this is a waste of like government resources to paint this water tower. And, I, and like I was like, look, they they have to paint it every so often, anyways, to protect it and keep it in good shape. What's it matter if instead of getting like. Carolina blue and it's all one color they get a couple of different colors of paint and it looks like a fucking hamburger instead I would like this individual to take a sheet of paper out and draw a big T on it and put good bad and list everything they think is good and bad in terms of government spending I want to see what their bad examples are that they're putting along with painting the hamburger water tower <laughs> I would like to see like like what, like what their income is, and like and what they pay taxes on over the course of the year, and all the taxes that they pay, and then break down like the services they receive, and watch their mind explode when they realize that they don't even pay for the services they receive. Because I'm sure it's somebody who's like, well, I shouldn't be paying for that because like you know poor people get are, are, are paying for them. I'm like, I guarantee you, this person's making like forty five thousand dollars a year and is not covering the services they receive. Absolutely, there are better uses of government money than. Painting the Hamburg water tower like a hamburger, mm. but there's certainly worse. Right, it's not at the bottom and it's not at the top. Right, and, and and if like the response to this is like that, like Concord builds a water tower shaped like the Hamburglar and is painted like that. Now that's the kind of resp- that's what I want to see out of like my Absolutely, my towns. Yes. Please God. <laughs> You know, we, we can't do anything to the water tower in Amherst because the news folks, they're like, the blue water tower. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, their traffic's backed up at the blue water tower. That one we got to leave alone. I think any other one would be fair game. Yeah. Paint them all. Paint them all like hamburgers, except for the one in Amherst. <laughs> oh, well, let's bring, it to, let's bring it back out of the suburbs, boys. Let's bring it to, to the city. Before we leave election time, I want to give oh. an honorable mention to a candidate I was helping in the town of Chictawaga. We had a primary for town justice. Yes. And right now we have two re, uh, two police uh, former police officers that are sitting on the benches, the justices in town. And we had a third individual that ran in a Democratic primary. He's going to be on the Republican conservative like Mickey and the general. Um it was a tough race. We had a candidate, uh, first woman running for the office, and we're hoping that, well, not the first woman running for the office. We're hoping she's going to be the first woman elected. But second, maybe third that's done this. I'm pretty sure it's the second. But she, over two decades of legal experience, 10 years as a law clerk, defense work, mm-hmm. time as a prosecutor, just a resume, impressive. Uh, Jen Runfola. And not only did we win, we won by 14 points. And there were a lot of people that were counting us out going into election day. I thought it was going to be much closer. Mm-hmm. But to win by over 700 votes, we're like, hey, every vote's going to count here. It's a well, big deal. I mean, I will say that the, the opponent really gave away the game. Because if you drive through Chictawaga, the, the, his, his signs 
were typically paired with Mickey Kearns and Lee Zeldin signs mm -hmm. and really gave it away to everybody before the Democratic primary where they actually lied. It just, like, in terms of the resume, it was night and day, like, what are we doing here, you know? Mm -hmm. not, not a bad guy, you know? Like, right. they get along with him just fine. They got a lot of respect for him. But, you know, Chittawaga is a big town. There's a lot of stuff going on in those courts, and she should be the judge. Mm -hmm. And we're well on our way to getting that done now, to have her on the ballot in the governor's year. She's got the working families line going into November. And she's a hell of a campaigner. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to pull this off. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Uh, and hope, hopefully she does uh, pull it off in Cheektowaga. But back in the city of Buffalo. Mm -hmm. The maps, Jim. The, all the maps. The maps. That's, I mean, we had we had Harper here a couple weeks ago talking about maps. Um, Not we, the AAS song. Right. No. We we have... Uh, be much cooler. Right. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have Rusty occasionally talking about maps. It's all maps all the time with us now. We're just... Just a conspiracy or cartographers. Over it's here. a map. It's a map. It's a map. Um, and so, uh, so the the as we talked about with Harper, the the Common Council was going to try to basically rush through their maps. Uh, but like I said, I thought they they made an unforced error. They had until the end of July to to uh, vote on the maps, and because they got called out on on the maps that they drew, they said, "Well, we'll have a public hearing." And they thought, like, we'll have it so soon that you won't have a time to organize. Well, that's never going to work out. And instead, now they gave them an extra whole month to complain because they had the hearing in June. Instead of saying, oh, you're right, we have to have a public hearing and scheduling it for, like, fucking July 28th. And then it would have been actually too late to do anything. So our city action, Buffalo, had maps. They've actually updated and, re and drawn them uh, based off of, like, some uh, community feedback um, that they got. And then uh, the city also said, ah, well, we had community feedback. We'll redraw our maps, and they are fucking worse than the original maps. Absolutely worse. It's crazy. And the original maps, just to be clear, were terrible to begin with, and right. they, they somehow made them worse. And they dropped... So this past Friday, right? They, this is when they dropped... At 5 o'clock on Friday. 5 o'clock on a Friday... Just classic, classic Friday night news dump. Mm. Um, they, they, you know, roll out these new maps, and then... There's a hearing on this Tuesday, so uh, the hearing will have already occurred after you're listening to this episode, but just to give you a sense of like how slipshod this all is, you know, they're like, well, Friday, dropping the maps, and Tuesday, we're going to have the hearing, and uh, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, I mean, it's, so like, it's the, the, the second Our City Action Buffalo map, um, one thing that I'm sure that Common Council members are not happy about is that there are two districts where a pair of them are drawn together. There's a new like Allentown Elmwood district that would uh, draw Noakowski and Rivera against each other, and then the Maston district really draws uh, Wingo and Pridgen against each other. My looking at the, the RCD actually like obviously like Mitch Noakowski can't come out and say this map's way better. I don't have to deal with like the Broadway market ever again. But realistically, like the the Elmwood Village Allentown map, like it is it would it's almost like perfect for Mitch Nowakowski and he would probably win that district for the rest of his life if he wanted and he could probably raise because of it includes like the entire Elmwood village now he could probably raise crazy amounts of money off of it and in within like three years by the time the next election cycle came around have so much money that like nobody could challenge him um, he would he would definitely have the most money of any common council member Wingo probably probably having probably has a primary coming up anyways and might be in trouble regardless 
would absolutely get probably decimated by Pridgen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, would be, it would be very difficult. Obviously, they're they're not going to be happy to see themselves drawn together like that. People are, are going to complain about the Fulmer District because it includes like Allentown and the Lower West Side, and it, yes, it's it's a gerrymandered district. That it's called Fillmore makes it look worse than it is because like it just it kind of ignore the name and just look at the shape. And if you do that, the Lovejoy District is really the worst drawn district because the Lovejoy District, you know, in the R City Action Buffalo maps, you know, looks more uh, condensed because it is. It can t- uh, holds neighborhoods better together, and almost invariably would result in Brian Bowman losing the election. In mm-hmm. uh, the maps that the Common Council came out with. Uh, it dips all the way into like the old First Ward and Seneca Babcock neighborhoods. I can tell you right now, I guarantee you that it's just to include more white people in that district for him. And it's really like it's very obvious. It's very brutal. Um, you know, I mean, I, I will say that regardless of who's drawing the maps, the worst thing about redistricting in the city of Buffalo is no matter what you do. You cannot do anything that hurts Chris Scanlon or Joe Golombek. Like, they're just untouchable. Like, the North and South basically draw themselves, and they're fine. And not to belabor this point, because I think Harper obviously acquitted themselves very well explaining this, but to look at these communities and, and to think about representation thereof with a community, with an election, I mean, you are, you are trying to, you know, on, on a conceptual level— use geography and, and split these areas up into, you know, councilmatic districts to ultimately represent what that community looks like, like what kind of identity, what kind of um, persona. And I know it's not an easy task. I know that a lot of thought and foresight and, you know, just charitable reading of all this, by the way, I know a lot goes into that. And you could see that with the Our City Action plans that have come out that there is a lot of conceptualizing of how are these areas should how should they be represented in the common council how should buffalo um divide its communities as different contiguous areas it's so far what what the council has put out for their own maps is so far a field of that and it's like it, it first off it obviously goes against anything resembling common sense other than pure uh naked interest like it it's so offensive to uh the sensibilities because it it really offers you nothing but pure uh you know consolidation of power for the power brokers there's no not even not even like the facade of an intellectual like oh well this is just what you know we we took this into consideration these are what the the communities are like they're not even giving you that pretense it's fuck you here is what you're getting because we want it to be this way and the fact that it's very similar to um previous maps is just a a, a damning indictment of the level of fuck you, this is how it's going to be, that the city of Buffalo Common Council has been giving you now for, you know, um, pretty much my whole lifetime, really. And I just, I, I, you know, I still can't believe that we do not have a woman on the city of Buffalo Common Council. Like, I still look at the representation of our community in the Common Council that does no way, shape, or form match what, is the pulse of the community. For instance, like the Indian Walden campaign, 
however you feel about the actual campaign or um, you know the stated goals, I think we can all agree there is an undercurrent of that in our community. And strongly enough that they've come together under the banner of our city action Buffalo, that they've created like an organic movement under their banner to really push for fair redistricting that is in our community. The, the Walton, the left, the socialist, what, what have you, that is there yet. It is in no way, shape or form represented on the common council. And that is because the common council has done everything it can to consolidate that power and keep anyone who could upset the the scales of power from from entering um, the council. The way the current map is drawn, you look at the two different proposals, the, the current one from the council and then the one from our city action. The one from the council looks more like what is there right now. Mm-hmm. And in the defense of some of the members of the city council, they weren't city council members right. when that when that map was drawn. And some of those borders go back before the last redrawn and even further back than that. So um, I'm not a city resident. I'm not going to comment on what the right and proper way to do is. I'm just going to say the, the council's proposed map looks closer to what's there right now. And the Our City Action map is kind of, there's some significant changes there that said the districts don't look like you know, animals and children's books, let's say. I saw some folks on online that were drawing with, like, marker over the mm-hmm. proposed districts to kind of highlight how uh, carved up they look, let's say. But, you know, I I don't feel like I have a place to say what mm-hmm. should be done one way or the, uh, or, or the other or what the motivations are. But, I mean, it's not... There's no one... Everybody is going to be a little disappointed at the end of whatever happens. And... It's good to see some public input in those getting drawn. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the, the big thing, right, is, is that, you know, at least, like, there, there's a discussion about it, that people are engaged about it, um, maybe to the chagrin of some of the common council members, but um, it, it, it actually it is happening, and people, you know, have some ideas and, and some thoughts about it. Um, yeah, you, you're right, like, you know, several of the common council members who currently are there, they didn't draw these maps when they were drawn 10 years ago, they weren't in the council then. Um, and you're right. Like it, this has been like kind of like a slow thing that's happened uh, with both the consolidation of the council as seats get eliminated. And as more gerrymandering has taken place over the last like 30 years uh, that these seats have become to look more and more like they, they do now. Um, I, I think it's, I think the RCD city action Buffalo map, one of the reasons I like it is they're like, well, what if we just didn't just do things the, the same old way? What if we try to do things that are best for neighborhoods and, and build neighborhood districts again and basically, you know, blow it up and hit reset and, and draw the maps like they were originally drawn, you know, like, you know, like, although, you know, maybe the, 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 the council had 11 seats back then or 13, but they were more uh, community based and neighborhood based. Uh, and why, why don't we get back to that as opposed to, you know, if we keep allowing, these like every 10 years, these slow uh, changes in gerrymandering, then eventually all the districts are going to look messed up. Um, and, you know, we got to get back to a, a good place with them. Um, I mean, I don't know, like, and like I said, like there are a couple of districts that sent, like, even if you look at the two maps, you're like Delaware is a little bit different. North and South are basically identical. Um, and then, you know, everything else kind of mix, it gets changed a little bit uh, with even Maston saying, relatively similar lovejoy uh 
Fillmore, Ellicott, Niagara really get really get changed quite a bit by our city actual Buffalo and, and focus much more on neighborhoods. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I, one of the things that this makes me think is that like these maps are also a good argument for bringing back a couple of at-large members or at least the at-large president seat for the council. And there's a way that that can be done. This is something that it, whether any municipality in New York wants to do it, you know, especially with the cities, you can blend districts with at-large seats. You can do a mix of those, you know. But when you get into town government, you you know, it's kind of one or the other. There are a few exceptions on the over 900 towns in New York, but I mean there's a place for multi-member districts. This is mm-hmm. done in some places in the world. Like maybe state law needs to be changed to make that a lot easier to mm-hmm. say, instead of having X number of districts with one person in each, you have your districts and have you vote for two or three in that area, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of incentivizes some competition and you don't have folks stuck with a council member who might not be as active as some of the others. I'm going to well, say it that way. Right. And, and, and the other thing is that, you don't have when redistricting happening that the maps are drawn to the benefit of just one person. Mm-hmm. If you have a multi-member district, well, that you know, like that, the generally the the three, two or three of them are going to say, well, they're not going to want the exact same things, and they're, and they're going to be like, well, no, no, we we just draw basically what's the best district and, and fight it out, as opposed to tailoring a district just to the needs of one person. Yeah. So we'll we'll stick uh, pretty close to Map Watch twenty twenty two. We'll we'll keep you updated as things develop yeah we'll change our name to Rand mcnally yes <laughs> where the hell is Rand mcnally <laughs> so starbucks still yeah. uh still uh being piece of shit guys yeah. still still being piece of shit is what i'm being told i have a little earpiece it's plugging me in here like like i'm a news reporter mm-hmm. and uh the fine folks over at the Elmwood Avenue location in the city of Buffalo at Starbucks are on strike. Yes. Against Starbucks corporate. Um, they've been on strike. I think it was, I want to say started yesterday, Friday, I mean, or sorry, Saturday or Sunday. God, I don't even know what day I'm in, but they've been, they've been on strike now for at least a couple of days, I think. And, um, Starbucks, you know, if, if you've been a longtime listener to the show or you just have eyes or ears or pay attention to the news, you know, that Starbucks, um, Starbucks locations all over the country, starting here in Buffalo, have begun to unionize, and they are, um, you know, rallying against Starbucks corporate, who increasingly are taking a paternalistic and, you know, frankly insulting tone to the demands of their labor. Um, and you know, now that the uh, Elmwood Avenue location is on strike, uh, they continue to. Maintain that tone and, and the attitude, and and just feeding feeding both their this this is how you can tell because you know that they're feeding their workers absolute garbage and bullshit because that's what they're trying to feed the public about what is happening mm-hmm. in this current strike. Um, Starbucks had a press release regarding the strike at the Elmwood location. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a, a snippet of it here for you because it is so again so offensive to the sensibilities i it's amazing that we live in such a time now where they're not even trying to give you like the intellectual veneer of like they're not even trying to like make it make sense to you um but here's starbucks uh get the facts response to elmwood strike so on july 9th 2022 
Workers United Union members who work at the Starbucks on 933 Elmwood Avenue in Buffalo informed local leaders that they'd be going on strike with claims of store hours being reduced and staff schedules being cut as central to their decision. Below is the response from Starbucks Buffalo leadership, along with the details of the challenges the store is experiencing since it's become unionized, including but not limited to frequent callouts. Those callouts have led to an inability to open channels like mobile order and pay designed to reduce stress for partners and elevate the customer experience, transfer requests, and then they, they have a full letter to the striking workers of, of United of Elmwood. Uh, we understand deeply and fully appreciate the hard work of all, this encaps all Starbucks partners and what it takes to deliver an elevated Starbucks experience to our customers and to one another in our stores. We are writing to confirm that we have received your strike notification in which you reference store hours and staff schedules having changed recently in our Elmwood store, resulting at least in part, to your decision to walk off your shifts. We want to clarify that staffing and scheduling for all stores, including Elmwood, are determined by the customer and business needs for each location. Unfortunately, over the last several weeks and months, we have seen a dramatic and negative impact to the business of the Elmwood store. Let's hit the pause button here. If you don't live in Buffalo, if you're listening to this, uh, and I don't know who the hell you are, but just for the one person maybe who might be listening to us like uh, in Hamburg, Germany, or at least that's where the VPN says they're from, the Elmwood Avenue location, like Elmwood is one of the most populous business district in the city of Buffalo, if not the most populous. Uh, that Starbucks is always, the line is always out the door. I'm not crazy here, right? No, it's yeah. I mean, it's 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 total horseshit that they're like they're clearly cutting hours because they're trying to punish those people for for daring to fight Big Daddy Howard Schultz, yeah, and 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 stand up for themselves and start a union. And they're like, well, we'll just we'll just take away your jobs this way. Two things: one, we've seen around the country, whether it's in Memphis, whether it's in Arizona, other places, that hours are being cut to people who were lead in, in the organizing or people that were vocal about the union. So that's the rule with Starbucks. Right. And you see this further with, oh, well, we'll give you we'll give you help with abortion care, but not if you're part of the, the bargaining unit because right. we have to do that separate. Or we'll give you this pay raise, but we have to negotiate it differently with the union folks. And two, P&L, show the profit and loss statements right. before I believe that garbage. Right. Well, and so we'll, we'll keep going with this. Keep rolling here. Uh, to be more specific, we have continued to schedule partners in accordance with the business needs. Unfortunately, limited staff availability and frequent callouts are resulting in approximately one out of every 10 shifts going unstaffed. This leaves others on the floor in a difficult position to deliver the Starbucks experience for our customers. Additionally, as a result of limited staff availability and the high number of callouts, we've had to make the difficult decision to keep our mobile order and pay functionality turned off for approximately 25% of the time over the last several weeks. Fuck off. Fuck you. I'm sorry. Like this is just a giant middle finger to you as as somebody with like functioning functioning brain cells. Um, you did not have to 
turn off your mobile order and like your online pay for 25% of the time. There's no goddamn reason that I, I, I'm sorry. Like I don't, even if you're like staffing, if you had staffing issues, whatever, what, what you're saying is a quarter of the time people can't order the, by the way, probably one of the primary ways that people order their Starbucks in 2022, I'd, I'd hazard a guess. Um, to but, but also probably one of the ways that most overworks the workers. Because, like, you know, like if you have to come in and physically order, you have to stand in line, which gives them time to pr- proceed to each order. When they, when they just say, all right, we're just going to open and let everybody order, and they just get hundreds of fucking orders all at the same time, and then all those people show up 10 minutes later to pick up their fucking drink, and then they get pissed off at Starbucks because we only scheduled two workers to work, and you have 120 fucking orders to make. I want to see those numbers compared to their other shops. Right. So 10% call-in rate, is that standard across the company? Is this really unusual? You're only you're only mentioning what's happening in this one uh, store. I compared also, to what? I also would like to see the, the those numbers compared to prior to them unionizing. What were the numbers in that store? What were the call-out uh, rates and what, what was going on in that store anyways before they unionized? I mean, there are people everywhere now that are just... Not showing up for shifts, no call, no shows. That's on the increase. Um, I, I mean, it's compared to what is the point I'm trying to right. get to, you know? Well, and, and we'll continue a little bit more here. So, blah, blah, it's a detriment to the experience we're designed to provide to our customers in the business of our store. Finally, and importantly, you should know that over the last several months, the Elmwood store business continues to decline, as does the number of new hire applicants for this particular location. Again, just lies, bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, compared to what? You're not showing us any numbers. Absolutely no fucking way. You're telling me that in the spring and into the summertime, your foot traffic has declined at that Starbucks location? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, I was down... In the Elmwood, like, I, I live very close. I'm in Allentown, but I was on Elmwood the day of Porch Fest, where literally the streets were teeming with people. Like, mm. team, like, uh, I, I was at the Pride Parade. The streets were teeming with people. You are telling me that business in that time on Elmwood has declined at that location central in the, in the heart of the Elmwood Village. Their mobile app was off a quarter of the time, right? Right. So... You know the meme with the guy on the bike? He's riding and the stick right. goes in the wheel. <laughs> like That's coming to mind right now. Like Maybe you could have had the mobile app on that if you wanted to get the, the best Starbucks experience here or whatever they're talking about. I don't know what the Starbucks experience is. I drink three-day-old gas station coffee, mm-hmm. you know? like I drink Starbucks, too. It's just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the low end of these right. things. So. Well, to your point about the summer, like, They're saying that their coffee shop, a block away from the most popular farmer's market in Western New York, is not experiencing foot traffic, like enough foot traffic, or compared to, like, compared to prior, because they don't say compared to prior years, they're just saying it's down compared to whatever. No context. Arbitrary number that they they chose as a start point. No context. So... They continue here. The high volume of call-outs and requests to be transferred out of this specific, uh, specific store, increasing attrition, limited staff availability, and similar behaviors have put significant undue stress on the others in the store, creating difficulty for us as managers in staffing and hiring, which ultimately negatively affects our partner and customer experience and store business. This is not only reflected in the recent economics of this location, 
But in the in the year over year decline in new hire applications and customer connection uh, scores, I think that's a typo. Customer connection score. Oh no, they're like customer connection scores. Okay, like how they rate their customer experience for Elmwood as well. Which again, no fucking context. Um, what their previous scores were, uh, but with this clarity provided, I look forward to our next conversation in the ongoing series of bargaining discussions we continue to have, which we maintain as important to do in person. Um, blah, blah, blah. In the meantime, given the continued challenges and instability of this location, they keep going out of their way just to say how instable this location mm-hmm. is, by the way. Um, it's made entirely of uranium. That's why. Yeah. Uh, consistent in our ongoing assessment of all stores, we will be evaluating store operations and staff availability in an effort to maintain the viability of our Elmwood business. Oh, they're closing it. Yeah. And the elevated Starbucks experience our customers and partners around the world have come to expect of us. So we said on the show here before, we, we've talked about it, and not like, I mean, we are geniuses here. Let's not get it twisted. But we did say on here, what if they just close the stores, Jim? Yeah, but here's the thing is like, like because they're... they're they've clear- already done it. Right, and, and they like... They've been clearly violating like hundreds of labor laws. Like the NLRB is like uh, is all over them, and these donkey donkeys are just so dumb. Like they'll close that store, and then a month later reopen in the exact same location. And say new store, no union here. Yeah, and the NLRB will have to like you know like knock on their door with a shotgun and be like, "What is wrong with you guys?" It's infuriating because you know you can go online and see their quarterly statements and see their their investor reports. How they talk about the 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 dividends they're giving out, the the stock buybacks that they planned on doing. They they scale back some of those, but previously they buying back their own stock, the crazy amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And they're not investing it in their people. And you see this with all these large companies in this country. And it's insane to me that our politics is completely about culture war stuff, which I'm not going to say it's insignificant, but, I mean, what's happening at Starbucks is like, it's like the fight of our time, as crazy as that may sound to some people, because this needs to happen in all these other large companies where they're delivering five, six, seven billion dollars a year in profits. They're not giving it back to the workers. And when they do, here's a couple extra cents, but we want more on health care. We're not going to give you defined benefit pension. Forget you, forget you, forget you over and over and over. And they already there was I think there was a store in Ithaca that they closed. There's stores in other states that they closed. Absolutely they would close the store and not give a shit because the NLRB is still relatively toothless. Yep. I, I, I might be, you know, maybe the minority at this table here saying that I don't necessarily believe that the conditions for unionization are always there at every workplace, um, whether it's the actual organiz- organization of workers itself, whether it's the nature of that workplace or that job. Like, I, I don't I, I prescribe the opinion that the conditions for unions or unionization should or will always be there. Uh, that being said, what happens when you basically just out and out, um, you know, flip off your 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 staff, your labor, when you just, again, like a stick in the eye to both the, obviously the people working there, but also the federal government and the NLRB. Because that's, again, we've talked about it a bunch here, but that's what they're doing. Right. They are outright challenging every and all labor laws and saying, what are you going to do about it? Right, and this game of chicken here will continue to go on. Um, but it's just again, it's amazing. Like 
if even if you're a person who like all right i love unions or you're like hey I'm, i don't really care for unions or somewhere in between you can look at the situations in starbucks and say oh i see how this happened like i see why they did this i see how they got there these people are service industry workers who made it through covid and, you know like we're forced to like fucking be there at risk day after day um with this company that just is completely not to use a pretty played out word at this point but gaslit them like mm. gaslighting them constantly telling them that the business at the the elmwood branch it's not a viable fucking store on elmwood avenue in buffalo well the other thing like so they, they kept mentioning like how job applications have gone down there well yeah I, i'm not surprised you didn't give raises for a long time and so then they unionized and you said, we're not going to negotiate with the union. So they're not going to get any raises. So why would anybody come work for you? Like, hey, I'm not going to make any money. And you've already said you're not going to negotiate with our union. Bingo. Like, like you, what you basically said was we're closed for business. Yeah. And it's the company did that. Yeah. The company did that. They Because they decided to sell cups of coffee for four bucks a piece or whatever they are. They're not 17 bucks like Stephen Mahalou says. Right. You know, four bucks or whatever it is, right? And they don't want to give folks a raise. But where does all the money go? That All the revenue and profits that they're generating, they pay their bills. They pay a little bit to the people. And the rest of it goes to the stockholders. I mean, maybe profit sharing is something you can do with the folks at the Elmwood branch. Hey, if you take a job here, we'll get you engaged in profit sharing. If you drive far enough south on Transit Road from Broadway right now, you'll see a company that's trying to hire people. Advertising profit sharing. Not a difficult thing to do. It wasn't that long ago in this country. It was like, okay, we made enough money. We should give the rest back to the workers. That's pretty much dead. Mm -hmm. And you see this obsession with Starbucks, the customer experience, the customer experience, on and on and on. What the hell? What about the people that are working for the company? All of the customers that go to shop at Walmart and at Co for Coca-Cola and all this other stuff, the they're customers too. Everybody that works for these companies, they're also customers and vice versa. But mm -hmm. you got to give a damn about them on both sides of the coin, not just one. You know. Well, I would argue that like the easiest and quickest way to increase, like to improve the experience for your customers, if you're a business, is to improve the experience for your employees. If they're happier, they enjoy things. They're not as stressed out. Things aren't as bad for them there. They don't hate their lives being mm -hmm. at your place of employment. They're going to be nicer and happier and and respond better to cu customers coming in. So, like, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but, like, that, that just generally seems to be the way that, like, like I know, like, if I'm stressed out and on edge, like, people, even if they don't if they don't know me, I might not intend to be on edge with them, but, like, they're going to notice it. And if, like, I don't know, like, if we had adequate staffing levels at the Starbucks I'm working at and we weren't work like, they weren't making me, you know, you know, close one night and then open the next morning and fucking me around on my schedule and playing around with all kinds of shit like that. And, you know, they weren't like, all right, well, we're going to schedule two of you because we only have like, you know, over the, like during in-store hours, like 30 people an hour coming in, but they know that online we get a fucking 150 orders an hour. And they're like, well, but there are only 30 people an hour come into the store. So, you know, we're only going to schedule two of you. Yeah. And like, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that might be a, a better way to make sure that you have the fucking customer experience because they do also keep referencing like the their partners and but like okay, your partners decided to unionize and you said eat shit. Well, and and Brian, your point about like profit sharing or even just something to want to entice your 
labor to want to work there. Like you are at the end of the day, like you're a business, you have competitors. You also have competitors for your uh, labor, right? So that labor can go and work in another service industry location. They can work for another coffee shop. You need to be competitive in order to be viable. You as a company have to, you know, be aggressive and, and be smart enough to say, okay, we are a fucking conglomerate. We can offer our workers more in order to entice, entice them to stay so that we at Starbucks continue to make like fucking hand over fist money. We need to do that. What it what they're doing instead is it's by, you know, it's just by the, the iron fist. It's it's under it's under the heel. It's no, we're not giving you shit. And now the store is not viable because of this reason and that reason. In no way are they trying to persuade there's no there's no attempt at persuasion there's no attempt that here's more money here is you know here are these things that we can do to make you have a better work experience here at starbucks it's no you're gonna work here or we're gonna close the fucking store um we're gonna take away your livelihood and again like to me it's it's maybe that's just the sign of america in 2022 is that no longer are there even attempts at the persuasion of the working class. Like, right. okay. well, I mean, you saw that in the Wall Street Journal this week, there was a, a an editorial by a CEO, and it was like, you know, there's a recession coming, and American workers are going to finally get put back in their fucking place and stop demanding things. Uh, basically, yeah. yeah. They're going to they're gonna stop demanding, like, decent wages and benefits, and we're finally going to be able to abuse them like we've been abusing them for a long time because there's going to be a recession, and they're going to be hard up for work. They're gonna be, they'll be desperate, so we get to take advantage of them. You can only do that for so long. I mean, you wonder why the life expectancy in this country has declined and why suicides are on the rise, why drug use is up, why there's so much divorce and broken homes. Mm -hmm. People spend a lot, a good portion, largest portion of their waking lives at work. And when they're miserable there, they take that misery home. Mm -hmm. It isn't gay marriage and the occasional abortion that is ruining this country it's the experience at work it's terrible for so many people we make people's lives miserable when we don't have to we do such a good job creating wealth and building things and making sure there's enough food for everybody but then you get to the distribution question and all of a sudden oh it's too hard Mm -hmm. it's not that hard you just have to tell some of the people on top of the pile You've got enough. You can't have everything. You can't have it all. Your 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 index funds can't grow double digits year over year. That's not always the way things are going to be. Stop being greedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just not not only not only is it the unfettered greed, but it's just the attitude that you know I don't have to persuade you. I don't have to offer you anything. I have to crush you. I, you will you will fold to me. The customer experience is not, there's no, they don't think about it as the employee experience. It, it only goes one way for the customer experience. It, it doesn't, uh, seemingly there's no uh, conception, like conception for, you know, what do we need to do as Starbucks corporate to sell ourselves to our employees? Right. I mean, it's I, I I troll around the uh, the anti-work subreddit a lot, and you know one of the things that like like con- like there's two things that are constantly happening on there, and they're both prime examples of like how employers in this country don't view their employees as worthwhile. One is 
uh, employers constantly either like putting up, posting up stuff, depending on uh, what kind of outlet it is or organization they are, or handing out or go to the bathroom before you get to work. If you go to the bathroom while you're on the job, you're stealing wages from your employer because that's when you're you're not working and you're going to the bathroom, which is you bold. can't even poop on company time in this country anymore. Right. Well, again, uh, yeah, Man. state uh, federal labor laws protect you to go to the bathroom. So please go the, to the bathroom. As they're much trying as you can. to take everything right. from us, but that. And then at the same time, like you, same companies or different companies saying, like, if you're supposed to be at work at nine and you punch in at nine oh one, we're going to penalize you and you only get paid. For, uh, you don't get paid for the first fifteen minutes you work, which again is stealing. That that is actual wage theft. Yes. That is actually stealing labor, and again is illegal. But a lot of people don't like either don't know it's illegal or they don't have access or like they they might be in such a difficult situation they might not be able to report their employer and lose that job if that's bargained in a cba i'm fine with it assuming that it's a good contract that the workers really wanted and they really agreed to but if that's unilateral from an employer eh, it's a different animal you know there are goods there are still good employers out here that really care folks that gave bonuses for covid and already yeah. pay yeah. and they let their guys keep it you mm-hmm. know people that have you know that have made a lot of money and said hey I'm going to share a little bit of this with you. Companies that said we had a really bad year, but nobody's getting fired. It's just we got to tighten our belts for a little bit. Right. And when they took back some benefits or asked for a little bit more, it's to keep the doors open literally. That's not Starbucks, though. Right. No. One of the wealthiest companies in the world. That's mm-hmm. not. So what? Your stock price might not grow as fast. Is that what this is all about? Yeah. I mean,. Yeah, and that, well, that's also like you know, there was that article that came out this week that somebody did, uh, looked into it, and it looks like over eighty percent of the PPP loans didn't make it to employees. Whoops! How did that happen? Right. Now why? Why did we not just give more direct cash to people? Yes. Money for people. There's just like an allergy in this country with some politicians. We can't give it directly to them. Mm-hmm. They don't I'm, know how to do anything with and, the money. In both parties. Yeah. Because it, that, there's there's one there's yeah. there are a few things that especially at the federal level Democrats love more than means testing. Don't get me started on means <laughs> testing. I thought this was news of the week. <laughs> we we've we've gone a little oh. bit far afield uh, on this, but no, I mean you guys are both making great points here. But it's you know again we'll we'll keep an eye on it because the Starbucks strike uh, continues. Yeah. Yep. I, I I do hope that they come. I do hope ultimately that Starbucks in good faith has something to offer their employees at that location, I'm not going to hold my breath. Speaking of something to offer, I bought I brought another present with me. Oh, excellent. Aside from the Fago? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's occurred to me that some of your guests come here and they don't have socks. So now the snake pit has got... Ten pairs of uh, what are they? Crew socks, I yeah. think they're called, for anybody that needs a pair of socks. So there you go. What's amazing is that Brian came here wearing uh, not not wearing socks. He, I'm he's, all set. I'm good. I don't need them. He he has a, like a slip on uh, sandal type of thing on there, uh, but uh, moccasin, I should say. Yeah. But that's that's very funny. Well, thank you for the gift. Yeah. Yep. In case somebody you know, if they don't believe barefoot is legal, they just right. forgot their socks. Uh, you know, and 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 speaking That's, of well, well, we'll we'll make a Statue of Liberty of you. Give me your sockless. <laughs> we're uh, we're 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 going a little long here, guys. But somebody, you know, might, somebody might need a new pair of socks since he's not gonna be uh, working in the New York State Senate anytime soon. Anyway, yeah, is uh, is Joel Giambra, former a uh, uh, former county executive. 
Joel Giambra. Warmer County executive uh, Joel Giambra. Went on social media this week and uh, had, a, had a thread about why, uh, you know, given the state of the Republican Party, he can no longer view himself as a Republican and, and therefore seek the Republican nomination for the state Senate. Now, I would concede I don't have the sharpest memory in the world. <laughs> But did he start collecting signatures to get on the ballot before or after the insurrection? Because <laughs> I want to know what put him over. It obviously wasn't the riot that broke into the White House and the panic buttons that were magically disabled and members of Congress thinking they were going to get killed. Daddy said, oh, fine. All right, boys will be boys. Boys. But he started collecting signatures after that? Yeah, 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 yeah. after that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy. Well, no, no, no. I think, I mean, uh, and I'm not the only one uh, to, to point, point this out. This is not some sort of uh, original astute uh, awareness of mine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, he was he was going to get absolutely crushed by Ed Rath in the Republican primary. Yes. And you know, I heard rumors that, that, that Joel might not even qualify for the ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, he he might not even get a chance to get crushed by Ed Rath. He instead he'll get crushed by Ralph Moore and the Board of Elections. And he was going for the RC combination, right? So even if uh, Giambra couldn't pull off one of the two lines for some reason, right? I'm sure they could have substituted him in or something. But that would have presented a big problem in November because they're doing the August primary right. for some. Uh, and then also you're know, like you know Giambra, I. I cynically thought that the reason why he was running again is that he was probably running out of money of his campaign account and the only reason why anybody even like listens to him or talks to him because he was he is still 20 years later so it's such a toxic political figure around here because of the red green budget yeah. issue um was that he wanted to raise money and pad up his campaign account again so that people would still talk to him and i mean yeah he would probably get crushed by ed rath but you know if i'm sean ryan i'd be happy to see joe giambra force Ed Rath to be waste some money beating Joel Giambra. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some Republicans came to him and said, look, Joel, like, what will it take for you to not make Ed waste money? Like, because, like, the Republicans, I'm sure, are very happy to see Senator Ben Carlisle running against Sean Ryan and mm-hmm. forcing Sean to waste money on that. You know, if if Joel here was a real patriot, let's say, I the same physically i'm sure he's patriotic or whatnot right. you know he would have stayed in and forced ed to burn that money down right if he really felt that way about uh the republican party yeah that, that's yeah that's my thought is that like if he really was that angry at the republican party the best way would be to rat fuck him and to like force ed rath to spend a bunch of money like and, and like and to do it like in a way like so that ed knows that you're out there like don't campaign in like north buffalo where you live joel like Go out to fucking Amherst to like Ed's neighborhood and campaign there and it'll really needle him and and like so that he ends up the uh, over responding and blowing a ton of money that he doesn't necessarily need to. And you think you would have thought, man, eh, my chances aren't too great here because my opponent and I are both competing for the same portion of the district. And if anyone can take the rest for granted, it would be the incumbent. I mean, I don't know what he thought his path to victory was going to be, but it all suggested he had something else going on. But right, right. What do I know? Yeah, well, I mean, also, like, you know, he knew enough to, like, step away from the public eye for a while. But, like, I'm sure if you did, like, random polling, of anybody who's old enough to remember when he was county executive, he's still reviled. Like, people still hate him. I mean, 
I, like, I, that, because remember, like to fix that issue that we, we had because of him, uh, we had to temporarily raise the sales tax 1%, which was in 2003, 2004. And uh, last I checked, it's, it hasn't gone away. <sighs> well, smell you later, Joel. Um, yeah, Great Northern Jim. Last quick hitter before we wrap this up here. Yeah, uh, speaking of smell you later, uh, uh, Judge Emilio Koliakovo, uh, who, uh, if you don't know any of his background, he used to be like the attorney for the Erie County Republican Committee when Bob Davis was chair and Jim Demogalski. Uh, so he's a, he's a longtime hardcore Republican supporter. Um, but he is a state Supreme Court judge now, I think. Yes, state Supreme Court. Um, and uh, he lifted the temporary restraining order uh, on the demolition of the Great Northern, um, said that uh, basically um, that the preservationists were, were wrong, that the, it does make sense to d- demolish the building. And uh, I think uh, Archer's Daniel Midland has until like August 12th to uh, ask for the petition to of the preservations to be dismissed. Um, and they could probably sometime shortly thereafter tear down the, uh, the Great Northern Grain Elevator. Yeah, well, this is a... This is why when you look at people that say, I'm not going to raise your taxes that run for office, you got to ask them, what are they going to cut? Because they're never, ever going to propose cuts to the police department. And I'm not saying that they necessarily should or they certainly shouldn't or whatever it may be, but considerable parts of municipal budgets go there. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to cut the youth and the parks and the culturals because that's the visible stuff. Right. What's the invisible stuff? The engineering department, code enforcement, sewer department what you're putting in the ground that's where the cuts are going to happen if they really want to hold hold the line on taxes right. and yep. really cut back so you got to wonder how many inspectors there are in the city and i'm not throwing stones at buffalo because chitawaga's got its own issues on the in the building department front there's only mm-hmm. so much money in that part of the budget to get done a lot and it's so that way in a lot of places so i mean the lesson here should be Preserve what you have before it gets to this stage, which is easy for me to say as an outside observer. And there's a lot of old, there's a lot of old buildings in the city of Buffalo, but the architecture here is pretty unique. And whether it takes some state support or even federal support and getting some stuff under historical landmark or what have you, I mean, we got to do a little bit more of that and get a little more active in Western New York as a whole. But that particular building, sorry to sound insensitive, but can we just get a couple pictures and call it a day? Am I the jerk? I mean, I yeah, you know, I, you know, I I I've come around on, on that it's an important building, but it doesn't look like it's going to be one that you know that is going to end up being saved. I mean, it's it is coming it's coming down, and, and so you know, like you're right. What we need to do is be more proactive, not wait until something's in danger to prepare to save things. And and, and these are the kind of questions you have to ask candidates when they want to run for public office. Okay, you're not going to raise my taxes for five years. You're obviously not going to cut the youth budget and the parks budgets or the police budget. What are you going to cut? Mm-hmm. What are you not going to fund? Because I don't want to see the city fall apart and code enforcement be non-existent. Right. Yeah? I mean, that's the, going back quickly to Joel. Like yeah. One of the things that Joel cut a lot while he was a county executive when he was trying to hide his deficit issues um, was he cut the board elections a lot. Mm. And it was it was very easy for him to do it because, yes, the board, board elections is a patronage pit. Um and the, you know that's that is not ideal, uh, but you know they do something pretty important. They run fucking elections. Oh yeah, right. Uh, but like 
you know, because like Joel could say to the paper, well, it's all just patrons positions anyways. And because elections only happen a couple times a year. So you don't see what's happening when the board of elections is being run by a skeleton crew. You know, nobody was really paying attention. I think, you know, we're pretty close to with how much we've got cuts to the board of elections in New York state to like, you know, we're running into some of the issues you see in other states where, like, you know, we've got this luxury in New York State where, like, you hear of, like, oh, there's a four-hour or six-hour voting line in other states, and that just doesn't happen in, in, in New York State because we've prioritized making sure that election offices are... At least not in our neck of the woods, least, I mean, yeah. to your point. There right, are yeah. areas where it could, right. and it's worse, but, you, I mean, your point stands. Right. So. Um, but, you know, we're not that far away from stuff like that starting to happen here. You, you, yes, all the people who work at the board of elections are political appointees. Could there be some reform there? Sure. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But they also run the fucking elections. Like, you know, th- th- that basically keeps everything else going. Yeah, and it's the system set up in such a way, it's not like it's all to one side or all the other. I right. I mean, it's, it's pretty, let's, as fair as it can be, pretty fairly distributed between the two major warring camps. Mm-hmm. You know, but... And I know we're not talking about early voting, but do we really need 37 sites? Again, I, I sound like the, the insensitive right-winger here for a minute, but that's a lot of sites. Yeah. And maybe you can combine towns and they have one site between two towns because it's hard to get all those inspectors, and it does get pricey, and maybe you need to use that same budget to get other things accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like painting the water tower. Like painting the water tower. They didn't do a hand. Do hammer. it. Yeah, do hammer. it. Well, gentlemen, you know, I know this is a – a lot of uh, a lot of content today for the listeners, but they had a they had a week off. All right, we yeah. we needed a week off, and 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 we're back at it. So we're giving you we're giving you the heat. We're giving you the good stuff. We always do, and and so does Brian Nowak. Uh, Brian, thanks again for joining us here today. Um, what's up, Jim? I got, I got one thing. And so it's coming up. Uh, we're gonna have a kickball game. Oh yeah, the kickball game. Uh, August thirteenth at Franzak Park. I haven't set the time yet. Um, so, uh, check out the discord, listen to us. I'll, I'll get the event bright set up this week. Um, you know, so it's going to be, uh, we'll do an after party. There's no alcohol in city parks. Franzak park is a city park, uh, over by, uh, like the central terminal area. Um, there's no, uh, I, well, you could, I, I could get a liquor license. I'm not getting a liquor license for this guys. Sorry. Uh, but we'll do an after party and price of tickets will include a couple of drinks at the after party and some food. And T-shirts, we'll we'll have uh, we'll set up a couple different teams. Uh, if anybody knows anyone, I'm going to reach out to a couple of people I know too. But we're looking to get like two umpires, and we'd like to pay them. I'm um, thinking the kickball game will probably be like two hours. We'll pay them like fifty bucks a piece, um, to like twenty five dollars an hour to to umpire the the kickball game. So we're not umpiring ourselves. Uh, but August thirteenth, keep on the lookout for uh, more information. Uh, when I get the event bright set up. Uh, we'll get it out on the social media. We'll we'll divide up teams, right? Yeah, well, I'm just randomly randomize, set up the uh, the two teams, um, and and you know go from there. Nobody's clicky here at the square. All right? right, we're all we're all good vibes. You meet new people that you might talk to on the Discord. All right, you might you might see their face in real life. You might rub elbows with other beautiful like minded uh, Square podcast uh, listeners and friends. You know, meet some elected officials if that's your bag. That might be. Uh, one or two there, and just have a good time. Vibe with us. Play some kickball. You know, let out your energy. It's hot. Right. You want to you wanna do something outside. So come outside, hang out with us, and have a good time at the kickball game. All right. Brian, are you going to be at the kickball game? Uh, probably not, but 
I don't know. I can put it on my calendar as a as a thing that might happen that yeah. day. All right, we'll put it on but, your calendar. Yeah. Manifest that energy. You know, we're we're all gonna have fresh socks for the game. Uh, I was gonna say, I mean, more than anything, make sure you get yourself a good pair of socks. Well, I, we have a man who got us a pair yeah. of good socks. Mm-hmm. So thank you for the gift. Thank you for being here. And as always, Brian, where can you be found if you want to be found? All right, Brian Noak, CKTW on Twitter. You can find me under my name on Facebook. And if you're looking for official social media government connections, I've got a Facebook uh, page, Councilman Brian Noak, or Council Member Brian Noak. You can find me there as well. I put stuff up there once in a while about what's going on in the town, you know? Yeah, always a privilege to have a, you know, I take, I, I don't, I don't I don't take for granted, but I, I do forget sometimes that you are an elected official and uh, how refreshing it is to have this level of candor with uh, with an honest goodness elected official. So you don't get that every day, folks. You know, yeah, you there get- are some people that are like, oh, he's an elected official, you know, <laughs> but there's more people than that than say I could deal with that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we've 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 run this experiment a few times in town and we've done all right. You know, but. Dry socks, folks. No holes. Dry socks, no holes. Have a good one, everybody.